This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Break a shot! Oh, pre-season it all ended in emphatic style with an unexpected win at home to Plymouth Argyle leaving us all saying bless this mess it's been a busy day at SN1 over the last 48 hours and here to chew it over not one but two guests today first of all all the way from London England please welcome it's Joe hello Joe hello JR good to be speaking to you again in the new season just about because they sound awfully like the chap who's on the the presses there. Yeah, I've I've been told before I sound a bit like him. I I don't know necessarily what the what the resemblance is, but hopefully I can perform just as well as that guy does because he does a sterling job. He definitely does, and you of course are there in person, so you can be invaluable. And also there today in person, it's been a little while. Lovely to hear from you again. It's only Tyler. Hello, hello, hello. How how are we doing? Not bad, not bad. How's your summer going? It's lovely, mate. Lovely. Summer camp's going well. Having a, having a nice time of it and doing the best best I can to actually tan for once. You're getting inspired every day looking at that, that glorious county ground as the sun comes up. Is that getting you pumped in the morning, giving you a, a purpose? It does. That, that gets me pumped as much as a double espresso, so... 
Well, hopefully nothing will get you more pumped than recapping recapping this game and all the things that have been going on. I think, first of all, just so we could draw a line under it, before we talk about the here and the now, um, I think we need to say farewell to a couple of people. We've had a few outs, so Tommy Adeloy has gone and joined Partick Thistle and gone to uh, back up to Scotland where he had such a fruitful time of it before he came to Swindon. Joe never really seemed to ever kick on for Adloy. He had his he had his uh, supporters in different corners, but for some reason, just never really clicked. So I think this is probably something that suits everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think he definitely needed a fresh start after what has been, to say, a pretty torrid season at Swindon. It, the signing made sense last summer. He'd done well at Air United whilst they weren't playing. Particular, I think he got 11 league goals or something like that. So, you know, he was come, someone coming in, big physical striker, could hopefully help out in that way, but it just never happened. The injury at the start of the season and this lack of preseason, I think, killed him a bit. You know, I think he ended up being our t- cup competition's top goal scorer. So that's, a, that's something for him, but most of those goals were scored in the Wiltshire Premier Shield. Uh, those of us who had the pleasure of seeing his lovely goal at Newport. Uh, we'll know that the player was possibly in there, maybe. But uh, overall, I think definitely best that no one really fancied him at Swindon. He can go back off to Scotland and hopefully kickstart his career and then get a, a decent permanent move next summer when he leaves Swindon officially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no no ill wishes here. I don't know if I'd call that trip to Newport a pleasure. It was almost uh, anything but. And like in the movies where they say we'll always have Paris We'll always have chipping them away in the Wiltshire Premier Shield, won't we, for Tommy? I know, Tyler, that you'll be delighted to talk about another out because this time, on a permanent, we heard not uh, from our old friend, Mr. Scott Lindsay, who was very interested in taking on Mr. Ronan Darcy. And, well, the deal was swiftly done and he was out the door before Crawley could even announce it. What's your thoughts there? Um, Relief. Was, was the first first thought. It, it's never clicked for him here. He technically, yeah, I think that there is a player there, but in terms of knowing what to do with the ball at the right times and physically, he he, he isn't cut out for for League Two football. Um, but I don't think it, it's one of them where where we should be wishing a downfall on his career whatsoever. I think. He came in, did a job. Was it a great one? No, but he he couldn't have done more with with the tools he was given. So all the best to him, and and fingers crossed, it goes well for him. And Crawley can sort the mess there out in as well, because that's never nice to see. No, hearing a lot of rumours of uh, training ground discontent and all kinds of things on the various things. Is it charitable to say that? Darcy just didn't really, really fit. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's the best way we can put it. Um, yeah, it's just one of them. The timing of the move, potentially, if it, if it happened at a different time, maybe if it happened this season before, it could have worked. But like you say, I think the timing was off and it just didn't fit for him. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I wish him all the best with with the move and, and fingers crossed as long as he doesn't score against us and do his silly little hop, skip and a jump he did at Grimsby. You almost know that's nailed on to happen. And not only that, at the end, 
he's going to hold Lindsay's arm up like the heavyweight champion of the world again. <laughs> Feels inevitable. It is inevitable, I think so. Well, we'll move on to some of the incomings later on because I'm sure they'll come up into the chat because today was the the only home friendly of the season. Uh, Plymouth Argyle, bless, they were the opposition. It's startling almost to think, you know, how much things have changed from that season that, you know, they're up there in the championship and we're still down in League Two despite having pipped them to promotion then. But no matter, no matter, let's just let's just kindly move on from that. I think that it's fair to say that it was a little bit cynical in the fan bases to think we would get anything from it. Joe, put your media hat on for me a second and just give me an idea of what the thought was and the mood music was amongst your journalist colleagues going into today. Oh, I don't think it was actually much different to the fan base generally. You know, I, I was I actually got the trainer with Jack Bishop, who was covering it for the advertiser. Uh, we ran in, into each other in Bath Station. I spoke to Andrew Hawes beforehand as well. We all sort of had this exact same suspicions that this could be a bit of a chastening afternoon for Swindon. I always, when I put the uh, articles in the CMS, which I do before the game, just so I don't have to do it during the match, um, I try and see if I can predict the score. And I put in 5 0 Plymouth. I assumed we'd be maybe a goal or two down by 70 minutes. First teams would come off and then we'd get absolutely Harry Kane'd. Uh, didn't end up happening even slightly, though. So it was it was nice to see that when the first team has kind of played for a bit longer, um, they actually put up a good shop and it was it was an, a result that absolutely no one saw coming in any way shape or form I think a draw would have been quite a positive prediction but against what I believe to be have been a, a rather strong Plymouth side it was it was a good afternoon on the flip side of that Tyler how were you feeling as you approached the county ground to take your seat um yeah I, I was the same really I wasn't too confident I don't I don't think I'd have said five now but yeah, I was I was going into it expecting a a long day of just watching red shirts chasing green or what what turned out to be the white shirts around for ninety minutes. Um, but in the end, it it ended up being the complete opposite, which yeah, that was a bit of a surprise at at the end of it. Well, on that note, do you would you like to elucidate well? Because I understand that you were you. You've got notes of this, and all I've seen is wobbly handicam footage of it. So, um, in the first, I managed to just uh, it was all level up to half time, wasn't it? So, in the starting lineup, and you can help me fill in the blanks here. You had obviously had Mahoney in goal. Uh, let me get the old sheet up here. Um, you had Hutton and Lavinier, Brewitt. Uh, no, it was Hutton and. Uh, trialist A is the wing backs. Trialist A is wing backs. And Trialist A is who we identified as? Uh, Brooklyn Genesini. Brooklyn Genesini. And you can imagine, you know, with a name like that, you can obviously see where he's from. Uh, a Yeovil boy, right? Yeah, yeah. When when you read the name that, that's definitely your first thought. It's, it's always the Southwest. Okay, yes. Who else we got then? Brattle off this lineup for me from your notes. Uh, we've had in a back three, uh, Minturn on the right, Brewitt in the middle with Blake Tracy on the left of the three. Then you had a midfield two sitting a bit deeper of McEachran and Khan, 
Dan Kemp in the 10 with Austin and Hepburn Murphy as your two strikers. Okay, all right. So, you know, reasonably uh, strong lineup to start the first half. Joe, from the from the media gantry, how was it all looking as uh, as it as it went through the paces? Well, it was it was really interesting first half because I think the main takeaway from the game as a whole, which because Plymouth like in the first minute, Plymouth put together like a long passing move and cut straight through Swindon down the left, and you think, oh god, this is going to be a long afternoon. But essentially, what Swindon were trying to do was play man for man all over the pitch. So Kesler hate our two wing backs were for hugging their full backs the entire game wherever they went. Uh, the the outside centre backs were marking their wingers. So an incredibly aggressive approach when you're playing a team two divisions above you. But it seemed to work incredibly well because Plymouth maybe had one decent chance through Bally Mumba in that first half where he hit the side netting. There was one half chance in the middle, I think, as well. But generally speaking, we stopped them playing pretty well. They didn't look particularly comfortable playing out from the back with the kind of pressure that Swindon were putting on them. And I mean, it's a it's a bold strategy defensively. Everyone had to be completely on it. And they absolutely were, particularly in the first half when you know, it, it was probably like 60 to 65% possession in Plymouth's favour. But they were getting absolutely nowhere because Swindon were just sticking to their task all over the field and doing a great job of frustrating them. And we had one or two opportunities, predominantly through Hutton down the right, uh, to create a few things. And their keeper and defenders had to work quite hard to stop Austin Hepburn Murphy getting on the end of things. I completely forgotten about Kessler Hayden. He's on on loan there this year, isn't he? So uh, was he the only person from that that first more fully era season uh, who was actually on the pitch from that time? Although, of course, Lewis Ward on the uh, on the trialist side. He was present. He was in the he was in the ground, and he was on his famous uh, wheelchair air ambulance sign. Okay, the super super quick zippy recap, and we've heard in the post match on BBC Wiltshire um, that Flynn was very happy that everybody was doing their job and being very disciplined, as you've described very eloquently there, Joe. Tyler, how did you you feel on the first half performance? Did it give you confidence going to get your chips and drink and pasty and whatever that you have or were you feeling that it was only a matter of time before Plymouth turned up the heat um so- somewhere in the middle I, I was confident about it because uh, I'll have to agree with Joe I think we worked incredibly hard it, it wasn't anything special but dealt with like threats that they they offered Kesler Hayden Whitaker, uh Callum Wright dealt with them really well but um and on the other hand, I didn't think we created tons, and it felt like maybe, maybe we were going to struggle going forward a bit. I definitely have to agree with Joe that their goalkeeper was all over the shop when it came to playing out from the back. He he did not have a clue. Um, but yeah, I I was quite confident with it. Um, and I thought. I thought that Plymouth looked like a side that would compete in the championship because they did put together some nice passing moves, but they just didn't have that that final end product, that shot, that final killer pass. Um, but it, it did feel like a game that could just tilt on a knife edge and one team might nick it, but it wasn't quite what came of the second half. Just thinking a little bit big picture here, Joe. We often hear 
you know, talk when we think about, you know, the new look Swindon town and the new era and where we want to be with these lofty ambitions here, a lot of mention of Brentford and teams like that, but we could learn a lot from a team like Plymouth Argyle, couldn't we? Yeah, I think Plymouth have got to be certainly a model to follow. I believe their their budget last season was supposedly about 17th in the league. And they're, you know, they have a clear plan of what they're trying to do. Obviously, Ryan Lowe did a great job there. He moved on and then Stephen Schumacher stepped up. They knew exactly what they were doing uh, straight away. They're just a club that are running themselves incredibly well, which is not something you would necessarily accuse the current Swindon ownership and board of directors as doing too much. So I think you've got a, they clearly have a clear plan of the players they need, the style they're trying to play. And when people go, they know who's coming in next. And I think we've seen this summer that Swindon are very much not doing that necessarily because things keep spreading on and on. But they're, you know, if they're a club that aren't necessarily doing anything particularly revolutionary like a Brighton or Brentford, but they are they're just making sure every the whole ship's intact and moving forward. And they're absolutely reaping the rewards of that because you know, they, they do look a good football team, even if we did somehow manage to beat them today. Um you know, I hope I hope they will do quite well in the championship because they, you know, they're one team that aren't necessarily as big as some of the clubs they're competing with in League One, but they were doing an incredible job of it. Yes, I know that Dan and Rich will be paying keen eye both as Plymouth alumni, so I'm sure they'll be watching intently. Tyler, right? Okay, let's go into second half. Let's dig straight in there now. Only about five minutes in, start to see the kind of thing that we really did want to see this afternoon. Um, with Fraser Bake Tracy going down, what what happened here with his uh, with his injury? Yeah, so as soon as it happened, I I, I know I sent a message in, in the group chat. He has a really weird obsession with trying to tackle people's feet with his head, <laughs> and and he's finally sort of paid the price for that because as he's gone flying into this one, it's a complete accident. He's ended up getting kicked into the chest and and he he was down for a, for a little minute but in classic fbt fashion he, he jumped straight back up i'm convinced that man could get hit by a london bus and keep running on so let's not try that out because the last thing we want is more injuries this preseason do we <laughs> definitely not so please don't don't experiment with that one okay so not not too long after that about 10 minutes into into that second half, we've got our first goal. Joe managed to get a nice yeah, well, go on, please take it, take <laughs> me through it. Yeah, and, and what a goal it was! Sorry to cut you off, I was just so excited to talk about Dan Kemp's goal. Who I was, I was kind of I was doing the what we learned stories again because I think in pre season it's more interesting, it's uh, no plug, but it's I think it's a more interesting way of looking at pre season friendlies. but I was I was kind of wanting to write about Kemp because I don't think most people have seen him play for Swindon yet, and I was thinking you know he's he's doing a job in there, but this isn't really a game for him. That's kind of what you think of him in the first half, but in the second, he particularly after he scores um, an incredible goal, he he really got cooking. You know, we swing, we had a few interesting corner techniques in the first half that nearly paid off, and then in the second, um, it's a goal that I feel like was on every single Puskas Award nomination. Um, from someone had scored it in the Turkish league throughout all of the 2000s, um, where, and I believe Riyad Mahrez scored a similar goal uh, for Manchester City, might have been in the Champions League semi-final, but essentially 
corner clipped into the back post where he sort of stood on the edge of the area, volleys it first time, arrows into the bottom corner. I was in complete shock because it was a piece of quality, which you know, up until this point, I was expecting Swindon not to be capable of doing. It was absolutely incredible. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And from that point on, Dan Kent was absolutely brilliant and eventually got his Man of the Match award. No, it looked an excellent goal from the clip I saw, but it seriously, it was so wobbly. I think I got seasick watching it. Now, Joe, your famous article, of course, is called What We Learned. But Tyler, very shortly after this opener, we had a second. And I think in the... I don't want to make everything about a, a magical low strangers WhatsApp that people feel like they're missing out on. But you did mention more about what he learned regarding a certain Rishon Hepburn Murphy. Yeah, so last season that he had a massive issue for just constantly running offside. And this time, the way he curved his run, he might he might as well have been going around the magic roundabout himself because um, he's curved it, stayed onside perfectly, ball down the right from Hutton, perfect weight on it and and the finish incredibly composed right foot near post maybe you want your keeper to be doing a bit better but hey if if it's from our perspective the ball's in the back of the net we don't care and the lovely new red and white nets were shaking once again lovely 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 stuff so yes there we are two nil to the good and certainly from the social media perspective everything was absolutely uh, rocking and you know just from the the accounts from it Joe it seemed that uh, Dan Kemp was here there and everywhere making a make a great impression as you said yeah I think he's definitely gained some confidence from that goal in Swindon in general because obviously we score an absolute worldie and then you know I, I agree with Tyler I think their keeper was a bit too far across to let Hepburn Murphy have the near post but then we get the quick fire second all of a sudden Swindon are feeling good Plymouth are reeling a little bit and Dan Kemp starts to run the show. He's his good interchange, particularly with George McEachran, who I thought another play with both with and without the ball was excellent today. Um, and the two of them really start to play some great stuff prior to Plymouth scoring almost an equally brilliant goal to pull it back. But, you know, Dan Kemp, I think the kit men described him as very similar to Jack Payne in terms of personality and on the pitch. And you're really starting to see that from a number 10. You know, he was he was everywhere. He was really bringing with confidence and showing just what Jeff Stelling was talking about uh, earlier today on his in his tweet when it was a ringing endorsement from the former Soccer Saturday ace. I just saw that before I came on. Yeah, that was that is quite the the endorsement. He was absolutely uh, you know raving raving plaudits about Dan Kemp. So instead of pay pain, it's pay Kemp. Whatever proportion MK Dons have formally agreed, peg back. That's sixty-eight minutes in, so two-one. But Tyler, did did it feel like they're going to come back into the game, or did you feel like Swindon had control of it? Um, there was a spell for about ten minutes where you thought they might find a way back into the game. Um, obviously they ended up getting one goal from it, but as as soon as that spell was over, we we got our subs on and and. and game came back into our favour but I'm I'm not going to make any questions of, of Mahoney on, on the goal it's a great finish whipped into the top top corner so there's not much you can ask of him um, and then just after they've made it 3-1 we're going down sorry it's 2-1 um, 
it should then be 3-1. Uh, we've gone down the other end. Hepburn Murphy's on the ball, 3v1. And and the ball just turns into a loose grenade. It's He's kicking it as far away from him as he can. It's bobbling all over the shop. And it just ends up going harmlessly behind for a goal kick from nothing. Um, but, yeah, as soon as that happened, it, it felt like we were straight back on top, even though we've sort of missed a great opportunity to put ourselves with a two-goal cushion again. So very nearly ahead on that. Now, Joe, there's been a bit of a wisdom. This is the third championship team that we've we've played. Um, if you count these kind of training ground meetups as competitive fixtures, let the record book state, as chaps on Twitter were saying after that Bristol City um, debacle. I guess the point is that the the main the main feedback coming out of that Bristol City uh, friendly or occasion or training ground nonsense or whatever. It doesn't feel like a real friendly to me. That's it. I'll just uh, get over that on my own terms. Um, is that everybody say, well, we were great for 60 minutes and actually gave the the starting 11 a good, a good 70 before changing things up. Do you think this is a good indication of who we're going to see next week? Yeah, I think Flynn's been pretty consistent in playing what, we assume his first team to be as much as he can do that with the gaps that still exist in the squad. But we start to see, uh, I think we were always going to see more of the first team today with the season starting next week. And they, I think a couple of them got 90 minutes as well. But we did, as you say, start to see a couple of changes. But I think the changes were, were affecting Plymouth a bit more than Swindon. I thought, I think they bring on brought on a couple of youngsters as well as some more squad players. So I think Bron. Uh, Liam Kinsella made his county ground bow and a couple of trialists as well, uh, including Rivaldo. Uh, unfortunately, not that one. And um, Swindon seemed to still, you know, the, the game was kind of cruising towards an end, but Swindon were playing quite well. There was one delicious sliding challenge, which Liam Kinsella uh, pulled off, which was a nice uh, potential hint at what he could add for Swindon, because I've been speaking with some Walsall people today about him to find out what he's like as a player and that. Definitely sounds like his MO. Um, there wasn't a lot going on in those closing stages prior to Jacob Wakeland getting a free run like he was Nicky Jose back in the 15-16 season. <laughs> Liam Kinsella, you say. Now, on the last episode of Low Strangers, we were talking about him being a trialist. And I remember Richard Terry saying, why would he be a trialist? when he's obviously played under Flynn. He's got loads of experience. And it almost seemed quite preposterous that he would be one but that was of course the incoming as Darcy went out the Liam Kinsella deal came through and we had a lovely hype train for that on Friday and as you say we got to see a bit of what he's all about let's talk a little bit about Liam Kinsella Tyler um first of all your thoughts on on the move and um on what you what you saw from his brief cameo um Initial thoughts when when it was announced was finally we've done an announcement that's not just a bit of drone footage. Um, but then I realised we'd actually signed a player on a permanent deal and got a little bit excited. Someone with over two hundred games under their belt, um, won two Player of the Year awards. I don't think we could ask. For tons more 
at, at League 2 level. Um, and yeah, for, from his cameo today, like, like Joe says, you could really see his sort of nitty-gritty, tough-tackling sort of stuff, reminiscent a bit of... of Lewis Reed with his with his tackling um, and quite small stature, maybe didn't show that he has the same sort of passing range. But it's a brief twenty fifteen minute cameo, whatever it was in the end. So I'm I'm not gonna judge tons, but I'd say it was a promising start from him. That is, of course, the first and only permanent signing to come through the door so far. And of these trialists, this is just with the the various detective work of your good selves, of people on the socials. Yes, we've got a Rashawn, Rivaldo Scott, formerly of Reading, and uh Lucius Vine, formerly of or formerly or currently of Brentford B, was it Tyler? Uh formerly he was released this summer, also formerly of older shop. Oh military man. Okay, all good. So um if Lucius Vine is out of contract, then that might be a potential that we're looking at. Um, same as Rashawn, Rivaldo, Scott, and Genesini still under contract with Bournemouth, as if so I imagine that would be a loan. Let's, assuming that everything went all wonderfully and all three came through the door. Just saying, because in the post-match, Michael Flynn, of course, was uh, buzzing about the performance, wishing that it was next week, and also saying that he hoped that he would have three to announce... Hopefully by Monday. Well, if those are the three that have played today, unless you know him and Andrew Horse can finally draw a line under the Lewis Ward saga, I'd assume those would be the three through, and there would only be the two of those as potential permanents, but not coming from somewhere. Unless, unless something else happens, gents. Joe, have you have you heard any murmurings or whisperings that you are in the? Mm, Discuss domain, let's say that. Well, I think the suggestion today was obviously people, again, I always find this mystifying, and I talked with Andrew Hawes about this after the game, um, how people can identify random League Two players from like 50 yards away in the director's box. But apparently people saw Yudoka Godwin-Malife, who is best known for uh, having won League Two with Forest Green under Rob Edwards and, of course, alongside Jordan Moore-Taylor. Um, right-sided centre-back, most likely, um, which, thankfully, Swindon have quite an obvious position for him to slot into um, up there, which which would be nice for him. And um, alongside him is the Bradford striker, whose name is currently escaping me, um, who would you would imagine be alone after... Uh, Jake Young is his name now, who you'd imagine being alone. He... Uh, is not particularly well liked by Mark Hughes by the sound of various things he said over the summer in my brief little research into the life of uh, Jake Allen Young. Um, you know, he played at Barrow last season without scoring uh, in that loan spell. He's a he's a 6-1 striker, so he's kind of the mould of what you would expect when you're looking for in a striker. Maybe not the pedigree necessarily, but if he's into backup Charlie Austin, then that's not necessarily the most important thing. So... Um, on the sort of free signings, I would be surprised if it was the free trialist that played today. Um, I specifically asked Flynn about where he was on deciding on those trialists, and he still sounded in the undecided column, um, or certainly wasn't willing to give anything away about where he was with them. He was still taking his time to think about them, and so I, I would be surprised if those certainly all three of them were the trio 
Um, and if indeed those two uh, others were in the building today, you would imagine they would be uh, most likely two of the ones that we will see brought in on Monday. But knowing it's been in town, they will happen at the earliest on Thursday. Well, we know that they like to have a good think about it because they, um, they were known to let people have a, enough of a think about it that somebody else can come in and sign the players. So that's always uh, quite good. Tyler, Tyler, let me come on to a bit of news from the wonderful world of social media, from Twitter, or X, I should say, from the forums, from the Facebook groups, the usual suspects, a couple of crazy rumours to float by you just to see um, just to see how they sit on the palette. First one is uh, some colourful excitement about uh, a certain Lloyd Isgrove being around, which I've not heard anything credible on at all. But there seems to be a lot of panicking with um, uh, with Godwin Malifo being in the building. That some suggestion on Twitter that Marcel Lavinia could be going the other way. What do you think about that as a possibility? Uh, I'll touch on Isgrove first. No. We can't be complaining about Reese Devine's injury record and then be begging to sign Lloyd Isgrove. They're both sort of as bad as each other. Um, mind you, Isgrove has completed 90 minutes once in his career. Uh, Godwin Malife, yes, I think he'd be a good signing. But based on today's evidence, I'd feel bad for Minturn. I think he was brilliant today. Um including a goal line clearance uh, with an overhead kick in a pre-season friendly. That just feels a bit extravagant. Uh, Lavinia going the other way to Forest Green. I don't know how that's going to work when he's currently out injured, but he's stuck behind Hutton, who going forward is probably the best right back in the league. Um what was it, 12 assists last season? You don't get that if you're naff at football. Uh, so I, I could understand it, but it does then open up another gap of needing a backup wing back there. So I'd rather just pay the compensation fee that Godwin Malife is going to uh, require. Um, and who, who was the other one? Jake Young. I know Bradford fans loved him. But obviously, as soon as you fall out with the gaffer, you're you're in a bit of trouble there. So it'd be an interesting one. We'll leave it at that. Joe, I think that people can reconcile so far this year. You had Iandolo go and go to join Ghana in Colchester and have a new start. And I think people could say, "Mm, that's okay, that's sensible. You had Darcy going, which feels very sensible. Had plenty of people loaned out. Um, some of them maybe don't expect to see back at the county ground, but the next moves out, and I'm just I'm just hinting back to thinking of what uh, Rich and Terry were talking about in the last pod about feeling like things might be a bit of a one in one out, which sounds like a, a controversial line to toe, but it feels that maybe the next potential departures could be ones that maybe um maybe disrupt the fan base a little more than. Ronan Darcy and LSI Anderlow and Tommy Adloy saying goodbye. Yeah, it does feel like we've kind of run out of players who aren't oh, the ones we wouldn't want at all kind of situation. I think we've kind of 
shipped most of them out, which is a pretty good job from Mike, Michael Flynn, I would say. Um, I, I did ask about the kind of one in, one out policy, and Flynn certainly didn't give any credence to that as a suggestion. It doesn't mean it's not true, but um, he didn't he didn't really buy into that. He was just saying that they were kind of on a case by case basis that they'd received an offer for Darcy that they wanted to accept, and they felt um, you know some of the younger lads needed some football, but. If, if Marcel de Vinias want to go, then I'll be absolutely gutted because I think he's a wonderful player. Um, he, he was kind of the one thing you fought with Hutton where, you know, 12 assists, as Tyler says, tied with Rafa Guerrero in Europe for assists from a defender is, is a pretty good output from him. And he could even do better in the system that it looks like Swindon are going to be playing. Uh, if he were to move on, you'd feel somewhat comfortable about that because Swindon actually had a backup plan already in the building in Marcel de Vinia, who was possibly an equally good player uh, in in different ways, but certainly a, another excellent right-back. So you know, if he's the one that has to make way for Godwin Malife, then Godwin Malife better be good because that's a, as a top player you're losing in, in the form of Lamarca Lavinia to a league rival. Yes. So, you know, a good win today, and that's that's made everybody quite happy. But a few a few... Wrinkles in the shirt at the end, thinking about potential moves away and out and what could be around the corner. It feels like we can't just enjoy the victory. Um, although some lovely goalkeeper shirts launched at half past nine at night to have a look at. So that was that was some panacea. We haven't done a predictions episode this year. We haven't done a season preview because the things just seem to still be rolling along to the last minute. But I wonder if I can just take a a pulse check, Tyler, and assess how you're feeling about everything. Wow, JR, what a great question. The real Tyler lost his audio connection at this point, but I think he said in this section was that he was feeling more confident than his initial feelings going into today's game. However, it remains doubtful to his mind that this squad has the depth and strength to compete for promotion next season, especially with big teams like Wrexham, Stockport and Gillingham having more money to spend in an inflated market. I'm glad you say that because I know that a lot of people say that um, they talk about the competitive budget promise from Rob Angus earlier in the year and how could that have been true. But Joe, it is a reasonable point that there's a lot of spending power in this league and it's not not a huge criticism or a slight to say that you know to be competitive might be very costly and it's not unreasonable to think that we may not be able to fulfil that. Yeah, um, Rob Angus said he would have a competitive budget. I think he meant competitive for mid-table, based on what the spending, you, you know, teams like Gillingham towards the top. I, I think we all expected Wrexham to maybe be more busy than they have been, but you know, clubs like Stockport, Bourne and Nick Powell, Swindon were never in the pool for a player like that. But you know, it, there are a lot of teams where if Swindon want a good level League Two player. Uh, you would expect could also be in there and then outbid Swindon. So, you know, it it does it does feel like we've we've been victim to that. Maybe they didn't know what a competitive budget would be. They should have done, but um, the one that we have doesn't appear to be in the same league as quite a few teams in our division. Succinctly put, thank you, Joe, and thank you to Tyler. Now, small PSA is that the presser won't be available in your RSS feed on Friday morning because Swindon Town are moving their press conferences to Friday morning, so that'll be a little bit later and should be ready for your trip away to Colchester. We'll see you then. Oh,
The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.